when I was younger, I have a younger brother, uh, we would, you know, just kind of be doing life, normal life, just walking around, just kind of hanging out, doing life, you know, in general. And something would happen regularly. It probably happened to you, I would think, many of us. Uh, you know, we're just doing life, walking around, and then someone would say something to you, like a stranger maybe. Maybe you're just walking through a store, and, and a little old lady would walk up to you. I don't know if it happened to you, but I remember it happening to me in, in various times, and they would walk up, and they would see me and my brother, and they would go, oh my goodness. And they, would, they would be not talking to us. They'd be talking to, you know, my mom or my dad, and they would say, my those are two handsome boys. Now, a lot has changed. I get that. It's, it's fine if you're like, what, what happened? Maybe, maybe he had another brother somewhere. I'm not sure. But they would say, man, those are two handsome boys that you have. Not even talking to me. And then my mom would do what I've now started to do as a parent. She would not even talk to the woman. She would lean down and say to me and my brother, tell the lady thank you. I wanted to say, I didn't because I'd have got slapped, but I wanted to say, she wasn't talking to me. She was talking, like if she would have said, wow, you're a very handsome young man, I think I would have said, why, thank you, right? Because I, I was a good-mannered young man. But this lady was talking to my mom, and so she was like, Jeremy, Jason, say thank you. And so we would do it in unison as if we were little choir boys. We'd say, thank you. I mean, like, it was amazing how that happened, right? Or maybe we were walking down the street or walking in the mall or something, and we're kind of walking, and you know how you see like certain people, they're heading the same direction generally that you are, and it looks like you're going to arrive about the same time, and now you're playing that little you know, game, like do I speed up and get there first, or do I slow way down and get there second, but I don't want to get there at the same time, because then there's probably an awkward conversation, it's weird, and you know, it's kind of like when there's only one piece of pizza left in the box, and there's two of you kind of looking at it and eyeballing it, and you're just like, I don't ever slow down there. I just grab it and tell them we'll order them another one. Like... But now if we're walking in the store, you know, we're kind of going and it's, they get, so they get there first and so they hold the door open, right? And they wait. It doesn't matter how far away you are. They just kind of hold it open and they wait. And so now you kind of walk through and then my mom or dad would say the same, tell the man, thank you. Thank you, right? I mean, what? He walks faster than me and now I owe him like a thank you, what? right? This is what happens to us. Now, I think because I was a good, well-mannered young man, what I would do is I would obey my mother and father. And I would say, thank you, but I have a confession to make this morning. I almost never meant it. Like, very rarely did it come from my heart. Like, very rarely did I actually mean thank you when I said it to the little old lady who said to my mom that she had handsome sons or to the man who got to the door first and held the door open for us or any number of examples like that where I was commanded by my parental figure to say something like, thank you, I appreciate the effort that you have made to hold the door open. It's very heavy. I mean, at eight, I could have held it myself, but thank you for doing that for me and for my family. Very rarely did it come from my heart when I would say thank you to them. I don't know that that's really what thank you is supposed to be about. I don't think that that's really how we are supposed to respond to people. But you know what my mom was doing, what my dad was doing. You know what I'm trying to do now with my kids along with my wife, Corey? I'm trying to teach them, and they tried to teach me, that when something happens where someone does something for you, what do you do? You say thank you. She wasn't saying that I needed to say thank you because the woman was speaking to me or because the man did something that I couldn't do for myself. 
She was trying to teach me that when someone does something, we respond with something kind. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for the compliment. Thank you for the effort. And so now, even with my own kids, what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach them so that when they're out of my house, when they're living on their own, when they're doing something else, and I'm not there to say, say thank you, what I hope will take place is in that moment, I hope that they will on their own say, let's all say it together. No, I hope they would. No, yeah, that's what I wanted them to say, right? Because I want to teach them how they should respond. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to really kind of look at, in a continuation of this series we started a few weeks ago called The Power of Gratitude. Today we're going to look at gratitude gone wrong. We're going to look at how we should and really how we should not express gratitude potentially. And so if you got a Bible, I want you to flip to the book of Luke with me. Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the first few books there. It's a part of the four books that we refer to as the Gospels, which is where we find most of the teaching of Jesus Christ, at least as he expressed it verbally. And it was written down by some different folks. And the book of Luke was written by a man named Luke. Uh, And so he's recording the things that Jesus is doing, that Jesus is saying. And so he records those in the book of Luke. And today we're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 18. So a few weeks ago, we were in Luke 17, and then we were back a few chapters before that last week. But today, we're in Luke chapter 18, and we're going to begin reading in verse 9. So if you've got a Bible, you can follow along or an app. If not, most of the scriptures today will be up on the screen. Let's read from Luke 18, verses 9 through 13. This is what it says. To some, this is Jesus talking, this is Luke recording what Jesus is about to say. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else... Jesus told this parable, and then the rest of this is Jesus talking. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, even though like, even, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said... God have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, we've been talking about gratitude for the last few weeks, and we've been really talking about how to respond and why we should respond and what we should do. And Jesus was doing the same thing. In this passage here, he's, he's been talking about a lot of different things and trying to help people see the way that they responded to one another, both in this chapter and the previous chapter, and then even moving beyond this for a few verses. But what we're seeing here is that Jesus is teaching. Jesus is really helping them to see how they should respond to people, but he's also trying to, uh, depending on the audience in each of these different teaching segments, he's also trying to help kind of prove that the way we score people, the way we grade people is not the way that God grades people. It's not the way that God scores people. And so we see that a little bit in the, the conversation here. We have a Pharisee, and we talked about Pharisees the last few weeks, but Pharisees, by and large, they're just church-going folks. They're, they're keepers of the law. They're keepers of, of what they think is how you get to God, how you get eternal life. They're the ones that are really kind of the letter of the law. They're making sure they do every single specific thing that's written in the Old Testament, all the different laws. They're, they're making sure that they keep it. And anybody that doesn't keep it as well as they keep it, then they feel like, well, you're no good because you're you don't kind of meet up to our level. And so that's really who you have here is the Pharisees. So this is a guy who thinks he's a good guy, okay? The second guy in this story is a guy that we're only, we're only given his vocation. So like, I hope you like your job, 
but like hundreds, maybe even thousands of years from now, because I'm, I'm writing down all of these stories, and so I'm just recording them all. Like I write about you guys all the time. I have a blog, and I journal, and all this. Kind of, and, and, and hundreds of years from now, people are going to find my journal. And so I hope, I've just referred to some of you by your jobs, right? Duffy's just the chicken guy, right? He just, that's, so I don't even use his name. I just say, you know, there was a guy who killed chickens or something. I mean, that's just really how I refer to people. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that, except for some of you. But what I would do is I would kind of call you by your vocation. That's what Luke's doing here. That's what Jesus is responding here. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to call this guy by his name. I'm just going to tell you he was a tax collector. Now, we see tax collector as a a descriptive phrase or descriptive word throughout the Gospels. And just so you know, like imagine, I don't know if you've been watching any of the debates from the Republicans and the Democrats, but depending on which side of the aisle you kind of land on, which is not important for this morning, some people are very, very, very against our current tax system. I'm not looking for anybody to amen me right here. You don't get credit for that. You don't get any votes. But some people are really against our tax system. Like they want to do away with the complete IRS, the tax system, the tax code, everything that we have, which sounds great, but then they would just find a new way to take some of our money. And so they're trying to figure out how to do that. But imagine if the IRS wasn't just a group of people off somewhere in another city as a part of our nation. Imagine that it wasn't just a piece of software on your computer computer that you did your taxes or you took it to an accountant or you took it to someone and they did your taxes and they figured out how much you owed and then you paid it online or you paid it with a check and you mailed it off. Imagine if the IRS came to your house every few months and said, your tax bill is $500 and I'm here to collect today. And if you didn't have $500 today, we're going to take you to jail. Okay. You can imagine that the IRS would get an even worse reputation than they probably have in you know, some of our minds this morning because then, then what would happen is we'd go, man, okay, I'm going to not answer the door. Then they would beat it down. They would just sit outside of our house, think about a collection agency or a collection officer, somebody that's just going to make sure they get the money that's owed. Now, if your tax bill was actually $500, what tax collectors would do in this day is they would say, okay, well, you know, it's $500 that you owe the government, but I'm going to tack on a fee, and it's a processing and handling fee. It's kind of a gas surcharge, if you will. Really what it would do is it would just go right into the pockets of the tax collector. And what he would do is if you say, well, I only have $250 today, he would say, well, that's great because that's, you know, the prorated tax fee for this quarter. So I'll take the $250 now. You'll still owe the $500 to the government. I'll be back in a week to get it. You go, wow, a week? I don't know how I'm supposed to get $500 in a week, but he would be back. Next Monday, he'd walk right back up, knock on your door. He'd be there ready to take it. And if you didn't have it, you were going to jail. And so people in this day and age, they did not like tax collectors, but they also viewed them as like the lowest of the low. These guys were crooks. These were people that would line their own pockets. They wouldn't even submit all the money that was required by the government. And they would say, hey, this guy didn't pay or that lady didn't pay, but they were constantly pocketing money. And so Jesus is using here two specific groups of people to help them see that this is the way you grade. Pharisees are good guys. Tax collectors are bad guys. Pharisees are the guys that keep the law. They go to church. They do the right things. Tax collectors, they don't do anything right. There's nothing that you see redeemable in them at all. And so what you have is you have these two groups of people. And so Jesus uses them to tell this story. So let's look at the guy who's the good guy. Let's look at the Pharisee and let's see what he does. So it says this, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you. Now, if you stopped right there, you go, wow, okay. He's a good guy. He's going to the temple. He's kind of showing up to church. He's praying. He's got some gratitude going on in his heart because he's thanking God, but 
the story doesn't end here, so let's see what he's thanking God for. I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. First of all, he's standing, the scripture says, by himself. Now, that might sound like a good thing because, you know, there might be a group of people. This was not temple like during the gathering corporately where everybody showed up. This would be like a Tuesday at lunch. This would just be a time when people would go to the temple to pray, to spend time meditating on the Lord, and so they would just kind of do it as a part of their day. This was not the corporate gathering. And so he would walk in, and he would just kind of find, you know, most people would kind of find a place alone to just pray or spend time with God. But what this guy does is it says he stood by himself. What that means is that he walked, if you go back to the original language, he kind of walked right to the middle of the room, and he begins praying loudly. So he's not just walking in like, God, thank you so much, like just kind of praying to himself. He walks right into the middle of the room with everybody standing around and says, God, thank you so much that I'm not like those people and starts pointing at other people in the room. You know, the adulterers and the robbers and the crooks and God, thank you so much. I'm not as bad as that guy, the tax collector, because God, you know, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I have. God, thank you so much. You ever met anybody that prays like that? Don't you just want to punch him right in the face? That's what this guy's doing. Now, you would say, well, I mean, you know, he probably could have been a little quieter. He probably shouldn't have said some of those things. But, I mean, I don't know that that's all that bad. Except that in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us how to pray. And this is what he says in verses 5 and 6 of Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus wanted us to know right up front in his ministry that our prayer lives are more personal than public. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't pray in public. I actually encourage you to do that. But if you're praying in public, you need to make sure that the motivation for your prayer is still personal and not public. But if you're praying, whether it's private or publicly, that your motivation is to talk to God, not so the people around you hear you talking to God. And so Jesus wanted us to know that right up front. And so he stands, the Pharisee just kind of stands out in the open and he declares, hey, thank you, God, that I'm not like those people. Thank you that I'm not as bad as the tax collector and the crooks and the robbers and the adulterers because I'm a good guy. And then you have the bad guy. The bad guy also went to the temple during lunch on Tuesday And he walked in, and here's what we hear from him. It says, The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, notice the difference. The Pharisee is standing in the middle of the room, declaring loudly what he's thanking God for. He's the good guy. But the tax collector, the bad guy, It says that he stood at a great distance, which means he walked in because he believed that he needed to be in the temple at that point to talk to God. 
Like, there's something really cool that happens when Jesus goes to the cross. And if you don't know this story, it's amazing. He goes to the cross and he dies on the cross for you and for me. But a second thing happened. As soon as he died, kind of like that pipe and drape curtain right there, there was a curtain that was in the temple and it separated the outer courts of the temple from the inner courts of the temple where really the presence of God was. And as soon as Jesus died, the curtain ripped in half. And, and what happens for all of us is in that moment, we got access to the presence of God, which means you can pray and talk to God when you're in your car. You can pray and talk to God when you're at your house or on your job or you're jogging in your neighborhood or you come into this place. You no longer had to go through the priest to get to God. But this bad guy shows up to the temple because Jesus hadn't yet died and the curtain hadn't ripped yet. And so he believed he had to be in that place. So he walks into that place and he sees a bunch of people standing around and he's trying to figure out how do I talk to God in a way that I won't stand out? I mean, he probably saw people looking and pointing and laughing and, well, man, I can't believe that guy's here. Like He's a tax collector. I mean, even the Pharisee, when he was praying, pointed and said, at least I'm not as bad as the tax collector. Like he knew his reputation preceded him. Maybe some of you have experienced that. You walk into a room and you feel like all eyes are on you and everybody already knows what you've done. So he walks in and he's just looking for a place to blend into the wall. And so he finds this place and Jesus' telling of this story says he stood at a great distance. And he just finds that place over in the corner and he just, he just stands there. And the difference is the Pharisee stood there and he, he projected loudly. But Jesus tells us that this man wouldn't even look up to the heavens. Not only would he not look up to the heavens, he also wouldn't speak loudly, and he wouldn't compare himself to others because he kind of already knew who he was. The scripture tells us that he beat his breast. He just, he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God, Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Compare these two prayers. You had the Pharisee who said, God, I thank you I'm not like the other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. If you notice, his prayer is really about comparison to other people. He was finding worth and value in his comparison of other people that he deemed worse off than himself. Now, I would love to preach that that guy's a terrible person for doing that, but if we're being honest, don't we all do that? And we look around us and we see people and go, well, at least I'm not that bad. I mean, do you know what she did? Do you know what he did? Like, at least I'm not that bad. At least I'm not that far gone. I mean, I got my issues. I'm not perfect by any stretch. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I mean, you know, for grace. And, but, like, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I mean, that guy's a mess. That girl's a train wreck. I don't know, like, if you know her story, let me give you a prayer request, which is just Christian for, like, I'm going to tell you some stuff about her story. Let me, <laughs> I don't know what I ate for breakfast this morning, but I'm kind of loving this. But... <laughs> It's like, I need to tell you what she... No, he, what does he do? He, he says, no, there's some people that are worse than me, so thank you, God, that I'm not that bad. Thank you, God, that I'm not that bad off. I haven't made those mistakes. I haven't done those. Thank you, God, for that. 
And then do you notice what the other guy does? Like the good guy says, thank you, God, that I'm good and I'm not bad. You know what the bad guy does? He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He said, God, everything that they think about me is true. Everything that they think I am, I am, and you know that. God, forgive me. You and I have the same choice in life that these two men had. We can choose to look at others and think we're okay. Or we can choose to look at God and realize we're not. That's really the two choices that we have in life. Because I promise you, you're going to find somebody that's worse off than you. Like, you're going to find somebody that's messed up more than you've messed up. It's going to happen. Like, I know it. And so if you look at them, you could convince yourself that you're good enough. Like, you may not be good, but you're good enough. Because at least you're not that bad. Or... We can compare ourselves to a holy God, and I believe we would probably respond much the same way as the tax collector and realize we couldn't even stand in his presence. We couldn't even look up. We say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It started long before the prayer. Because Jesus was setting us up. I don't know if you, if you caught it, the first reading. The very first verse that we read today, verse 9, Jesus set us all up because he told us who he was talking to. Listen to this. Luke says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, look at this in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even look up. So Jesus is talking to a group of people that he knows tend to look down on people. And so he sets them up by talking about the Pharisee who they would have viewed as somebody that was a good guy. And so when they start hearing the story, they do what you do when I start reading from the Bible. They go, yeah, I've heard this one before. I know how this one plays out. Like Jesus wins in the end. I got it. I figured it out. Okay. And so they were listening, and they were going, Pharisee, I'm a, I'm a Pharisee, I, he, I relate to that guy. Okay, he went to temple at noon on a Tuesday, that's a good guy. And he walks in, and he prays, he's praying, and then he's thanking God, that's good news. He's thanking God, and he's saying, at least I'm not as bad as those things. Yeah, you're right, man, that Pharisee, he's not as bad as those guys. And so, man, he's got it together. Man, he, he fasts twice a week, that's good. I only fast really like one and a half times a week, so that's really good for him to do that. And he, he gives a tenth of all he has, that's amazing. This is a good guy. But Jesus had set them up because he was talking to a group of people, Luke records, who tended to look down on people. But the tax collector wouldn't even look up to God. That's where I land. As I live my life, as I'm trying in this holiday season to be more grateful... I have a choice. Do I look down or do I look up? Do I look down on other people? Do I find people that are worse off than me? Even out of a heart of, oh, I need to help those people because they're worse off than me. Is my heart for benevolence even out of this looking down on people? Look, God's blessed me, so I'm going to... 
All of that's right unless it's out of the wrong heart. Because Jesus was telling this story to a group of people who looked down. And yet the bad guy wouldn't look up. Like, I just want to hang there for a second and say, like, where do you look? Where do I look? Am I so judgmental that I can't meet someone new without rating them? Well, I mean, they're a little worse than me. No, I mean, she's, she's got her stuff together, so she's probably a little better than me. I got to work harder. Like, I'm a little intimidated by that relationship now because I think she's a little better than me, and I'm, I'm a little worse than her. And so then we're just constantly walking through life, just rating people, judging people, finding who's worse, who's better. We hang out with people that are worse than us, so we feel better about ourselves. We don't hang out with people we think are better than us because we don't want to feel worse about ourselves. Or do we walk through life with our eyes focused on God? looking up to find our worth and our value in him. How does he rate me? How does he value me? What does he say that I bring to the table? What does he say that I'm worth? Because if my worth is tied up in what other people say about me, I'm just telling you that changes day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. But the value that God places on my life never changes. I believe that if we're looking up, we can find gratitude because we look up to a God who values us. We look up to a God who loves us. We actually look up and see the blessings of God in our lives. We look up and see the relationships that God has actually blessed us with. Looking up brings gratitude. Looking down brings entitlement. It brings judgmentalism. It brings negative nasty, ugly things into our relationships. And so let's see how Jesus ended the story in verse 14. He says this, I tell you that this man, talking about the tax collector, rather than the other, talking about the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The bad guy got Jesus's attention. God responded to the bad guy and made him a good guy. But the good guy had already gotten his reward. What did Matthew chapter 6 tell us? Jesus said, listen, if you're all about just walking into the temple and proclaiming loudly and you're just kind of praying so people hear you and if you're just doing stuff so people look, wow, look how righteous he is. Look how good she is. Look what they do. They go to church. They're in a life group. They give. I think I saw them put money in the bucket when it passed. I mean, they must be giving. They must support the church. They're, they're serving on a team. They filled out like every box on the sheet that passed by a few minutes ago. And Man, they're a good person. If that's why you do the things that you do, here's what I would say say to you, that's not the guy that gets God's attention. That's not the girl that gets God's attention because what you're doing is if you're just doing it out of a motivation of other people seeing you and thinking you're good, you're actually a bad guy. You're actually a bad, like you're not good. Jesus said, no, they've already received their reward. You want to get God's attention Go to the corner. Be off in the distance when you pray. Don't 
Don't look up and proclaim loudly how good you are compared to other people. Recognize that you're a bad guy. Recognize that you're a bad girl. Like, just know who you are and rest in that. Not like, oh, look at me, woe is me. Compare yourself to God and his holiness instead of other people and their sinfulness. And then Jesus says in verse 14 that if you do that, like if you compare yourself to God and his holiness, you know what you find? God's grace. You find his mercy. He says, listen, the guy that was bad, he actually was justified. He now has right standing with God because he said, have mercy on me, a sinner. He said, listen, if you want to know how to get God's attention, don't look down on people. Focus your attention on God. Don't compare your worth to somebody else's and feel like you're good enough. Realize that you will never be good enough on your own. And lean into the grace and mercy of God who says, I loved you enough to send Jesus to the earth. To live a blameless, sinless life. And the New Testament tells us then that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Move to the corner. Don't stand in the middle. Don't project loudly how good you are. Recognize how bad you are. And see who God responds to. Luke chapter 14. You don't have to turn there. It's not going to be on the screen. Luke 14 tells us this story. Jesus was again reciting a parable and he's telling us this story about people that bring people to a, a dinner. He says, this, when you walk in, don't walk in and take the best seat because you're going to be humiliated when somebody more important walks in and the host has to walk up and say, can you come and sit with me in another chair? So no, no, no. When you walk in, sit down at the lowest place in the room so that the host has to walk up to you and say, friend, Come sit in a better chair. This is the story of grace. It's the story of mercy. It's the story of gratitude. Gratitude gone wrong says, thank you, I'm not as bad as that guy. Thank you, God, I'm not as bad as that girl. Gratitude done right comes after the conversation where you say, God, thank you that I was a sinner and you saved me. Thank you, God, that you showed mercy to me. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else because here's what you know at the end of the story. When you've received the grace and the mercy of God, when you have been moved from the lowly seat to the better seat, when you've been moved from the corner of the room to a place justified before God, here's what you know. You will be more compassionate towards the people standing in the shadows. That's what we've been called to. What did Jesus say here in Luke 18 and what did he say in Luke 14? He says, listen, if you want to be exalted, be humble. But if you want to be humbled, exalt yourself. 
And so here's the question for you and for me today. Do I want God to humble me or to exalt me? I know what I want the answer to that be. I would rather not figure out how God could humble me. And so I'm going to choose to remain humble, choose to remain in a place that recognizes that I am a sinner in need of a savior. My life is going to reflect the cry of my heart that says, God have mercy on me, a sinner, rather than God. Look at how good I am this week. Look what I've done this week, God. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as that girl. Like, God, I checked all the boxes on the volunteer sheet. And you need to do that, by the way. God, look at look what I did. Like, look what... He won't feel better about you, but I will, right? I don't know. But God, look, look, look what I did. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad... As, no, no, no. Gratitude says, I find my value in God and God alone. And in response to his mercy toward me, I cry out and say, thank you, God, that I have been justified. I've been made right. Not because of my own efforts, but because of you. Let's pray today. God, I thank you so much that we have the timeless truth of your word, that we have the opportunity to look to scripture see how you respond to people. And what I know about a room like this is that there are Pharisees in this room and there are tax collectors. We're all here. And I pray, God, for every Pharisee in the room, myself included, that we would not for a second believe that our righteousness is obtained because we're good enough because we're not as bad as some folks and because of what we do to serve you. But God, we're justified because of your work, not ours. So let us have faith in that. Let us believe in that. Let us respond with love out of that. Let us be merciful towards others because of that reality. And God, I pray for the tax collectors in the room. I pray for the bad guys and the bad girls whose reputation precedes them, whose guilt and shame and regret labels them and weighs them down. Today, I pray for their freedom. I pray, God, that you would take bad guys and bad girls and you'd make them good guys and good girls, not because of them, but because of you. God, help us all to quit looking down on others and let us all look up toward you. And I believe when we do, we will find your mercy and your grace. God, I believe a natural response out of that is that we turn grace towards others, that we turn mercy towards others, we turn forgiveness towards others because we have received that from you. And so God, when we started looking at this series two months ago, I believed in this moment that you would heal us, that you would help us, that you would forgive us, and that, God, we would be a group of people filled with love and compassion to go pull people out of the shadows to find you. 
In Jesus' name I pray.